Welcome to DTC Pod, where we take you behind the wheel with the best founders and operators of consumer brands. You'll learn the ins and outs of business from setting up shop, hitting your first million, scaling past eight figures, and even navigating an exit. As founders ourselves, our goal is to help you learn from the best as you build. Visit us at dtcpod.com to sign up for our weekly newsletter, join our founder community, and find additional resources from every episode. DTC Pod is brought to you by Trend, the creative solution for your brand. Go to trend.io to access thousands of creators for content needs such as product photography, unboxing videos, or even TikTok and IG organic creative. Use the code DTCPOD10 for 10% off your next content purchase. What's up, DTC Pod? Today we're joined by Stephanie Nieto, who is the founder and CEO of Guella. Uh, so Stephanie, I'll let you kick us off. Why don't you tell us a little bit more about Guella, Mojo, and all the stuff you guys are up to? Absolutely. And thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. So Guella is our parent company. It's more of the editorial content where we provide trip supplies, well, trip support tools as well as guides, while Mojo is our flagship product, our functional mushroom gummies that elevate mood, focus, and energy for five plus hours. Awesome. So yeah, we're really excited for this episode because I feel like, um, you know, the psychedelic sort of space is becoming a really interesting hot topic. I know there's been a whole bunch of research uh, around the space, and obviously there's natural pairing with editorial content, CPG, all this sort of stuff. So why don't you, for our listeners who may not be so familiar, why don't you just give us a landscape of, you know, of what functional mushrooms are, um, what research is, you know, maybe going on that hasn't that hasn't passed or maybe will pass in the future, just what the current savor of affairs and what all the hype around mushrooms, functional mushrooms, normal mushrooms, not normal mushrooms are. Yeah, so I mean, I like to think of it as the psychedelic renaissance, like it's it's coming back. Um, it's, it's not that it hasn't happened in the past, but I think it got a resurgence due to the pandemic. People couldn't travel abroad, and so they traveled within. And so really psychedelics, you know, kind of popped off because of it. And as a result of psychedelics becoming more popular, so did functional mushrooms. So, of course, psychedelic, you know, mushrooms, they tend to have hallucinogenic effects, while functional mushrooms typically will not. Um, functional mushrooms are more adaptogenic in nature. So typically, you know, they will target different parts of your body and improve it depending on either the individual mushroom itself or depending on the adaptogenic properties, they will basically find areas of improvement within you and work on improving them. And so that can be anything like energy, focus, mood, sleep, anxiety, like your sex life, like it can be so many different things. There's thousands on thousands of different mushrooms out there and as the pandemic kind of took off and and people were looking for ways to not like explore themselves both through psychedelics and otherwise um you know adaptogenic functional mushrooms really found their place in improving people's day-to-day life as well as providing them with support in terms of their immunity got it and why don't you give us a little background about yourself how did you end up in this role um how did you end up getting so excited about the space why don't you just tell us a little bit about your your own background for sure so i actually used to build greenhouses in the arctic um completely different world Uh, and i did that for about eight years and then the pandemic hit and i realized you know this thing that i had built and loved and it was my baby and basically my personality wasn't necessarily who i was anymore um, and that, that, that was hard. That was hard to come to terms with. And so I took some time to really just understand where I wanted to go, who I wanted to be, like 
who was I beyond my company, which I think entrepreneurs can definitely struggle with. And um, well, it was actually friends of mine that brought up the fact that I loved drugs. <laughs> like that was my hobby. Um, and not just obviously taking them, but uh, like talking friends through them, researching them, figuring out different stacks and kind of biohacking through them. Um, it was just a pastime of mine. And so I, I kind of asked myself that question, like how does one build a career in drugs without being underground? Because um, I didn't want to be underground, although I did consider it for a hot second. Um, and really what that came to was the psychedelic space. It was, I mean, it still is emerging, um, but at the time I didn't know anybody in it. And so I kind of just like went on LinkedIn, reached out to a bunch of people, started meeting people who are actually starting companies in the space. Um, and I mean, again, I spent eight years building greenhouses in the Arctic. Like I was the not-for-profit social venture type of person. And so when I was meeting companies that really were more focused on the profitable side of psychedelics, it really didn't align with my own brand values, um, like personal brand values. And so I ended up meeting my now co-founder, Pete, and he kind of had the same vision of, I mean, don't get me wrong. It's great to make profit. It's great to be able to keep the lights on. That's not what I'm saying. But we had this kind of more grandiose vision of bringing accessible psychedelics to communities everywhere. And so, um, you know, we kind of partnered up and, and brought together Guella and Mojo. And why don't you give us a little bit of context and background about why now is such an, an exciting time for psychedelics, functional mushrooms, et cetera. I know there's been some amazing research that's been coming out of like major institutions like Johns Hopkins and and all this sort of stuff where where people are really started to get excited, like you were mentioning, not just in the, um, you know, not just in the business space, but everything. Right? There's VCs that are excited about it. There's, um, you know, consumers that are excited about it. And it, it just seems like you you even hear rumblings of potential legalization in um, in some at some state levels in the near future. Um, so why don't you just give us a quick uh you know catch up on what the heck is going on and 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 how it's been happening absolutely i mean psychedelics really again popped off during the pandemic a lot more research started being um well not only com completed but also published um and people started getting the sense that oh legalization is on the horizon now i am excited about psychedelics but i don't think legalization is like around the corner um what every single time a state or a city decriminalizes, um, whether it's in the U.S. or Canada, all of a sudden there's this like repercussion right afterwards where they, you know, take ten steps back. Um, we have in Canada there was a bunch of licenses provided to physicians. I think last year, the year prior, 2021, um, and then they were revoked about six months later, right? And so on one end, the reason to be excited about the psychedelic space in general is because of the decriminalization efforts that are happening and hopefully legalization will occur and also all the money being poured into research to hopefully kind of push for legalization, however that may look like, depending on, you know, states by states, country by country, et cetera. Um, but I think it's it's good to be cautiously optimistic, which is partially why we came out with Mojo, right? We wanted it a legal way to kind of get the benefits of microdosing without having to go into the underground because it's such a, I guess, shaky ground for now. Um, there has been movement, but it, again, 10 steps forward, 20 steps back. Um, so yeah, people are still figuring it out. Yeah, and I think that's an important distinction that um, that you make about 
legalization versus decriminalization, right? Like there, there's a lot of steps that are going to have to happen before like something like that would get to fully legal. But um, in that vein, why don't you also give us a quick like uh, overview on how some of the people in the space are tackling this, right? Like you hear about VCs making investments into the space. You guys are clearly going your own way. So with all the talk of call it, you know, psychedelics, mental health, et cetera, what are some of the ways in which people are maybe building into these opportunities while it still isn't clear whether things are going to continue or on this path? although they look like they are, but like, what, what are some of the ways that people are being creative and really going full speed on the space in like, you know, like you had alluded to in a, in a more white hat above ground as opposed to an underground sort of way? There's a lot. Um, I feel like so many people have like really in specific niche psychedelic startups that I've been seeing. Um, then, you know, you have like the medical angle, but that's split up into a million different things, whether it's, sexual health, um, mental health, uh, and within mental health, you have like a bunch of niche categories as well. Um, depending on what people have ex been experiencing, you have the clinical side in terms of opening up clinics. You have the people that are, you know, it's not just like psychedelics is like one type of psychedelics, but the various types and going down those routes, you have people that are looking at cultivation and people who want to kind of prime themselves to be, um, suppliers of psychedelics for, Clinic, clinics, clinicians, um, eventually lifestyle brands and more consumer-focused brands. You have people like us who are doing the consumer-focused brand aspect. You have people that are becoming psychedelic guides despite the fact that it's not legalized yet but are entering that space. And you have people creating psychedelic courses. Um, there's just so many. Like, there's just so many. Uh, people have, are really getting creative with the space because there's so much opportunity with what psychedelics can do in terms of bettering the day-to-day -day and long-term effects on individuals. Um, so I probably, like, I, I didn't even scratch the surface of how many opportunities there are. But, yeah, there's a lot of creativity. And, like, even media pl plays on the psychedelic space. I, there's just so many, so many. And events that I could go on and on. Yeah, no, it's amazing. It's like when when something like that emerges, you've got all the different use cases that go beyond just product and brand, and then it goes into different use cases, and it, it's really exciting to see. Um, and which leads me into my next question. Then Ramon, I'll, I'll definitely hand it over to you. Is like you guys clearly are taking a different route than a lot of different brands that might be dabbling in the space. Like you said, you guys went into like editorial trip guides and content as well as a product so how did you you know find yourself in that space it, what like yeah i guess why don't you just walk us through how you guys thought about your go-to-market and what product lines and what initiatives made sense for you guys uh guella and mojo to to work on first guella and mojo were really built as a solution for things that we wanted individually as people. Um, that's really like what it came down to. And it's a, a lot of it, how we built. That's not to say that it's not a smart strategy, um, but to be really transparent, like we wanted guides and how-to blogs and trip support tools that weren't available to us when we started exploring the world of psychedelics. And then for Mojo, for a lot of people taking psychedelics, finding psychedelics, you know, like it's, it's just kind of a scary, sketchy thing. And so we wanted to be able to bring a product to market that people could try and 
you know, feel the effects and benefits that microdosing would provide. And so in terms of how they kind of came about, Mojo came, well, they kind of came about at the same time, but Mojo um, originally was one of our co-founders um, for, well, kind of formula. Uh, he ha It was more of like a natural Adderall when he was still in school to help him get through, you know, university. Um, and so using that base formula, we tweaked it to make it more of a microdose. So beyond just focus, we added the energy lift as well as the mood lift. And so that's kind of where Mojo came from. Again, more of the accessible psychedelics aspect. And then Guela was kind of formed at the same time. Um, we've been adding things to it. It's, I would say Guela is like a labor of love of things that we wish we had when we were first like figuring out psychedelics. Um, and we're still adding to it all the time. But it really was just, okay, what, what are the questions we get from friends, from family when they're starting to get into the space? And how can we make that more accessible to people? Um, and so, yeah, a lot of like the blogs that you'll see on there or our like dosage calculator or even the, um, the wiki of different types of mushrooms, like these are just questions we've had or have been asked to us. And then we find the information, and try to, you know, put it out there for everybody. So I have no experience with this and I'm, I'm curious, like how, you know, with marijuana, for example, you have sativa, indica, like how does this work? for mushrooms in terms of like you know we want to add a, a energy boost a, a creativity boost how, how are these strains different you know i've i've recently been seeing um aubrey marcus from on it just like he's doing he's going all in on ayahuasca um and it's so like does this fit into like the same category um of psychedelics but you know, let's go back to the first question, which is how, how is this different in terms of like strains and, and all of that? And, and how is this different than the other options of of microdosing mushroom brands that might be out there? That's a big question. Um, let's start at the beginning. Psychedelics are not just psilocybin mushrooms or shrooms, as people like to call them. Um, psychedelics in are a classification of different types of hallucinogenics, right? So you have Things like ayahuasca, you have LSD, you have, you know, psilocybin, you have ibogaine. You have, like there's, there's, there's more um, to kind of explore. Now within that realm, right, you have different strengths. So ayahuasca, you will probably trip for like more than twenty four hours, I would say on average. Um, but a shroom trip can last as little as like four to five hours if you do some lemon teching, which I can also get into, or as like, typically it's more like eight to nine hours. Um, LSD is typically eight to eight, nine hours. It depends, or like DMT is like 15 minutes. Um, but in different types of strengths, different types of experiences. Um, and that, or that also depends on different types of strains that you have within those categories, right? And so similar to cannabis where you have, let's say, sativa as like your overall category. Let's say I call sativa psilocybin mushrooms like those are the categories within those categories you have different strains right and typically for psilocybin mushrooms at least most of the time when you, people try psilocybin for the first time and they don't really know what they're ordering from like you know their local dealer um they typically get golden teachers that's like the standard but there's so many more beyond that um we do have a wiki on the website in terms of different types of mushrooms that we know about have heard about etc and we're constantly adding to it um, but it, they are grown and the same way that you would do farming for the different types of fruits and vegetables, et cetera, that you like and what you like about them and you, and you breed them for that same kind of deal, but with 
psilocybin mushrooms. And so some of them might make you more laughy. Some of them might make you more like visually like colorful. Some of them might make you more pensive. Um, and typically like you'll get those descriptions whenever you're ordering, of course, depending on when and where you're ordering from. Um, I, I, I like when I started taking, you know, shrooms and stuff, I had no idea what I was ordering. I was like, yes, I would like shrooms. And at the time I was probably just getting golden teachers, which are again, very standard. But now that I've kind of gotten more into the space, it's, it is fun to kind of understand different types of mushrooms that are available and, you know, trying them and figuring out how they actually interact with my own tolerance. Yeah, we'll make sure to to add that resource and article to the show notes. But, you know, so I'm 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 gonna ask questions here as somebody that like, you know, is interacting with with buying this online for the first time. I mean, how so what is it that you're selling? How can you then sell it online if it's illegal to to buy mushrooms, right? I assume it's like a certain dosage level and then, you know, what can the consumer expect? by doing this? Are they just getting all the health benefits without the hallucinogen? Um, how does that work? So Mojo does not have psilocybin in it. We only have functional ingredients, nootropics and adaptogens. So these are ingredients that you could find in natural health food stores, you know, like we just found a really good balance for them. So, you know, we're on Amazon, we're on, we're in stores. Um, like we're very, very legal. And that's kind of what makes us special. Like we are legal and that's because of our patent pending formula at the moment. Um, so that's the difference between us and others. With that said, like, how do you know what you're buying when you're buying online? Um, a lot of it is similar to when you buy a supplement or other types of products. A lot of it is trying it out um, or, you know, asking a trusted friend, Guela is a dear trusted friend, like what should I order? Um, and I'm always happy to give advice. But, uh, you know, what I've started noticing with these online brands that are in the underground and are selling psilocybin, which I think is really cool, is that they are adding in adaptogenic nootropics and other types of ingredients into their mixes with psilocybin. With that said, psilocybin isn't for everybody. Like for me, I, when I take psilocybin, I get the headache and the stomachache. I'm just more susceptible to it. And so when I take my I don't get that. With that said, I, t I do take both, <laughs> you know, but that to answer your question, Mojo, is completely legal, no psilocybin in it. And is there a path to least resistance of like selling it through retail outside of DDC? Like, is it easier to to get to sell it through retail? No. <laughs> um, I guess it depends on what type of retail you're going for. Um, alternative shops, your cannabis shops, your Delta 8 shops, these type of places, right. they're like, hell yeah, you have a microdose, like, let's do it. Um, yeah. Don't ask too many questions, you know? Where you're trying to get into like Whole Foods and Trader Joe's, um, they're much more like, why the hell does your product say microdose on it? And so it's really leaning into the type of verbiage that the consumers in these type of retail locations will understand. So, for example, one of the things that we're considering for 2023 is packaging in, you know, Whole Foods and Trader Joe's and these type of places. The benefits are it's still benefits of microdosing, but instead of saying microdosing, it's more leaning into brain boosting, productivity, energy, focus, mood lift, right? Versus perhaps maybe something that's in a Delta 8 store or a cannabis shop. Maybe we have like our, our, you know, packaging has a giant mushroom on it and it says mushroom gummies and it says microdosing, you know? And, and so it's talking to the consumer based on what they're likely to understand and want in these type of different retail locations. With that said, in this type of like illicit marketing, regardless, like, 
it, it is hard to figure out what you can, can't say, what they like, don't like. It's been a lot of trial and error for us. Yeah, that's an that's a really interesting part of it as well about the messaging, right? Like I take um, reishi mushroom, for example, as a supplement. I take it every day. And if you look at the the supplement and what it's selling, it's like a totally different thing. It's like there's nothing about like microdosing. It's like you would just get a, a sup like a health supplement, anything else that you're taking. And it's great for immunity and heart health and longevity and all that good stuff but it's just really fascinating about like how you're thinking about these things and understanding that retailers have different expectations and maybe there's a scenario in which you kind of split out and fragment different product lines that market to different customer personas um with under the roof of one one underlying brand um one interesting thing that you had mentioned that i want to get into and then i do want to i do have a couple other questions on like the product side of things is um, you mentioned you guys have a patent uh, pending formula. So for a CBG founder that's especially like working in an emerging space like this and you guys are part supplement, part emerging thing, you have different benefits. Like how do you think about like a patents? Like how does that process work? Like what what did you guys do to like what are you patenting? Like how does why don't you talk to us a little bit about that whole process? For sure. So we are patenting um, a portion of the formula. That's kind of our secret sauce and why Mojo works so well. Why we did it? Um, we thought it would assist with our overall raises, having that you know IP in the product itself. Um, the process. I mean, really submitting basically everything that's in our product the quantities, the reasons, the studies, et cetera, to a lawyer, <laughs> and they put it together. Um, in terms of, is it worth it? I don't know. Um, would I do it again? I don't know. Um, when it comes to, I think, CPG and D2C, it's so easy to rip off somebody's product. Um, I think what really makes you stand out is the, the brand that you've built and the community size that you've built. And so I think having a patent pending you know sign there it, it definitely deters people in, in in terms of trying to rip you off will it deter them completely probably not and that's why we're focusing so hard on just building our brand and making it recognizable and, and also building a community of you know trusted loyal fans who can tell us hey these people are ripping you off like by the way um and we can try to take action that's really cool and then um just going back to that other piece like you were talking about community right um Clearly, by putting together all the different resources, for example, around trips and different strains and education, because like this is an emerging space, it clearly gives you guys some sort of, um, you know, thought leadership and presence. So can you just talk whether it's like anecdotally or from a data perspective, like how you've seen the two kind of go hand in hand as you're building the brand from the ground up and how the editorial that you've done, like how it creates a um, you know, maybe a flywheel for the rest of the business? Yeah, so I mean, Mojo speaks to consumers that either are looking for alternatives to psychedelics or they're just looking for the benefits, energy, focus, mood, um, in a convenient form factor, the gummy, right? Wella speaks to people who want to do psychedelics. <laughs> so um, th they're actually two separate type of consumer groups. That's not to say that people that go to the Guala website don't buy Mojo, um, but that's not like that's, that's not the reason that we built it out. The reason we built it out is in the future, should legalization occur for psychedelics and we come out with our own psychedelic line, then we have built, we have built a brand that people recognize in the psychedelic space. And people who 
understand the benefits of Mojo, if they walk into a psilocybin shop, for example, and they see Mojo on shelf, it's like, oh, I know that band I, or brand I saw them at Trader Joe's, right? Darn. So, 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 yeah. so the basic the the basic play then is like you've got two sides of this coin. On one side, you're saying for the psilocybin community, we're going to be able to like build into that community, provide resources, help out. So should there be a time that this stuff does get legalized and we can scale those things, we'll be able to do that. And on the other side of the business, it's let's build out all the infrastructure to produce, distribute through retail, have our CPG arm ready to go so that should this uh, click out, boom, you you can plug in to both and, and kind of maximize that impact. And if that doesn't happen, even if it's over... 10 years, 20 years, whatever it is, over that time frame, you're still building out um, purposeful businesses in both of the spaces. And it just it just so happens that if things should progress in the right way, you guys will be really well positioned from both a production and uh, distribution side of uh, point of view, as well as a content and brand point of view. Exactly. <laughs> so are these two different teams? How is this distributed? It's the same. So are the ed editorials the same people that are in your team, the people that are writing all this stuff and everything? Yeah, that's my co-founder, Pete. A lot of the time, that's him kind of just uh, going ham at like 10 p.m., um, you know, figuring out different things that we might get asked or that we have been asked or that like our team has asked in our, we have like a, a Slack channel of different types of topics that we might be interested in. Um, but, uh, yeah, we're pretty hacky with it when it comes to building this stuff out. So I'm, I'm just so curious on this. Is this the majority of the effort go to Guella or is it split in terms of like resources? Mojo, I would say, I mean, running a CPG and D2C brand, that's, that's where the time goes, right? Editorial content, um, a lot of the time it just takes a really good idea and a relatively good writer. Um, right. So I would say majority of our efforts are on Mojo since we have to deal with, you know, majority of our customers and product innovation and the website and international orders and there's just much more there. Yeah, I could imagine. And how, how has the, the you know, how, how has the community received Dojo? Like, um, are you guys, is the growth faster than you guys expected? Um, is it a little bit slower because people are actually waiting for the legalization? What has it been like to grow Dojo? Um, so, I mean, when we started, we targeted the wrong consumer segment. Um, and so that was slow moving. And then we went back to the drawing table, figured out who are our actual customers, um, relaunched it, and then we beat our sales by our forecasted sales by 56% in the first month. Um, and things have been, you know, growing, scaling um, really nicely since then. 2022 was our first full year in market. Um, as I mentioned previously, like it's two different audiences. So the people that are buying Mojo, it's an alternative to psychedelics for whatever reason they want an, an alternative, but it's also just for the benefit themselves. And it's things like, you know, the energy for a good workout, um, a mood lift for a shitty day. Sorry, I don't know if I can surround them here. Um, you know, just like what benefit will help them on their day-to-day -day life. Um, and so they're not necessarily waiting for legalization. They're just testing different products that provide them with these benefits. And Mojo just happens to have the benefits that they want in a very convenient manner. Got it. Um, no, Stephanie, that, that makes a, a whole bunch of sense. And then I think the next question I have is just kind of getting more into the, um, you know, the psychedelic side of, of things. It's like, how do you see this market 
kind of progressing from the consumer point of view, right? Like, and obviously, um, you know, I'm sure in, in certain pockets, the, the pandemic was a nice accelerant for mushrooms, but I still think like if, if we were to compare, call it like cannabis versus um, mushrooms, it's, there's still a lot more stigma around mushrooms. I don't think people are as like familiar with how it works, what it does. It's like, you know, so like, how do you see consumer education playing out over the next several year, years, call it, and as well as like the branding and the use cases and all that kind of stuff, right? Because like, I feel like, you know, maybe in the seventies, people are like, oh, take some mushrooms and go to a rock concert. And there, there hasn't been like a real format to, um, you know, consume the substance. Like, how do you see that evolving? And what do you think, what do you think we'll see from that in the future? So taking psychedelics isn't like, you know, smoking a joint or something. Like when you do a macro dose, it's very much something you do, like not on a regular cadence, right? I like to say like, I take, you know, psilocybin when the plant calls to me and which I know sounds a little hippy dippy, but um, it, because it's just not a regular occurrence thing. And so the way I think it'll play out, um, I think governments will probably limit macro doses, at least at the beginning to probably the medical side, kind of like medical marijuana. Um, with that said, I think that eventually that those, you know, limitations will, will soften um, and, and, the risk will be put into consumers' hands. With that said, I think, yes, there will be brands that have macro doses. They'll probably partner with retreats and other type of things for people to take them. In terms of use cases and education, I think people are understanding how it can help support your mental health. I think that's like a big thing that's come out of the pandemic. And in terms of like just day-to-day -day personal um, education, I think that all of them such coming out and all of like so many different publications you know, posting on their socials about, oh, this helped cure somebody's addiction to cigarettes. This helped somebody's uh, alleviate somebody's depression. This, you know, all these like positive benefits and breaking the cycle of, you know, different things in mental health. Um, I think people will start to understand more and more how it can play out and at least get curious enough to like research how can I take psychedelics? What is it good for? Um, in terms of like the business opportunity, I think that a lot of brands will probably come out with their own microdoses because that's something that you can take. Well, not every single day. There's the uh, Samus protocol. What is it? Three days on, two days off, or four days on, two days off, something like that. Um, and so I think that's where people are going to be creating because that, I mean, that's a recurring revenue maker um, in contrast to macro doses, which again, it's like once a quarter, and that's way, uh, even too regular for me, right? Um, so I think that's how it's going to play out. But again, you're going to have all these other offshoots in, in the psychedelic space, like the guides, the clinicians, the clinics, the um, events, the retreats, the like, there's just going to be so many different offshoots from psychedelics that help support your trips or helps support even just the culture um, that I think will just explode whether legalization happens or not. It's, I mean, it's already going. Yeah. And I feel like uh, such a big component of it will also be around you know getting the the dosing right like you were saying like there's a difference between a microdose and a macrodose and someone who isn't familiar with the space like the, it's a the, they could be totally different experiences right so i think there's it and and then like you said there's all these different strains and you know it it almost takes me back to like i'm just thinking about it 
even when you know like when i was in, when I was in high school or college and people would be talking about shrooms it's like someone gets a bag of like random mushrooms it's like how do they know like even what they're taking and what they want to be doing and what they're trying to achieve from a mental health perspective or anything so i just think it'll be i think the education and um layer around this is going to be so important because there's so many consumers who might be like scared to jump into that those waters and and like as they probably should be if they don't know what they're doing and they don't they don't know exactly what they're getting into so i, I think it is really important to be able to um you know even for you guys and what you're what you're doing at guella to be able to provide that resource to be able to start being like hey these are what the mushrooms are and here's what you can expect and this is what you should know about your trip because otherwise it's just a, a total random random shot in the dark and these are like very powerful powerful substances as well right yeah absolutely and i mean that's kind of the content that we have on guella just a lot of the how-tos and stuff that we wish we had known with that said there's also an organization called fireside and they kind of are a 1-800 all the time 24 7 hotline for if you're tripping and you kind of need support and you don't want to, you know, call 911 because who wants to do that? Um, you have Fireside that will walk you through your trip. And I think more kind of educational support pieces and organizations will start to pop up as um, decriminalization and legalization takes hold. So what what's next for you guys um, and in terms of focus, in terms of Guela and Mojo? Are you, is it is it just kind of focus on both and continue to provide amazing resources and scale up your uh your your supplement infrastructure how do you what, what are you guys really focused on in in the next year in 2023 for us on the psychedelic side it's you know creating relationships and partnerships with folks in the space that way if legalization does occur we are ready set go in terms of launching product lines in the future um but when it comes to our non-psychedelic space aka mojo um we and overall supplements side um, I'm actually doing a bunch of customer interviews right now to try and figure that out. There are things that we think we are really interested in, whether that's different form factors or different use cases. Um, we're just going back to our community being like, what do you want us to come out with? You know, like what would benefit your life? And um, so to be decided at the moment, I foresee different use cases. I foresee maybe some fun, limited time form factors. Um, and then just way more partnerships. We actually just went international in October. Um, and so now we're, you know, starting to play in that international game and trying to do partnerships that help get our name out abroad. And speaking of international, what is the, uh, what's the international landscape for, um, well, for mushrooms, you're, it's it's supplements. So there's, pro there's different health regulations in different uh, countries and areas. But from a psilocybin perspective, like where do you see this headed? Is the... Is the U.S. Um, you know, like where does the U.S. stack up compared to like legalization progress or progress towards it in various different countries around the world? I mean, the U.S. in comparison to Canada and the EU, I would say is moving quicker than um, either of the other options um, because of how many cities are have started decriminalizing. So I think that the U.S. will get there quicker. I assume Canada will be like, wow, you guys did it. Okay, cool. We'll do it too because we copycat everything. Um, EU is a lot stricter on basically everything, whether it's drugs or, um, you know, functional products, natural health products, et cetera. I think it'll take a little bit longer. Um, but again, it's anybody's game, really. Like, they're right now, it's your guessing as good as mine. What is that? I was looking at you, Mojo's website. What is the difference between the regular strength and extra strength? 
other than the obvious that one is more potent than the other that's really all it is <laughs> it's about two yeah. and a half times stronger um regular strength for us are for people that have lower tolerances to stimulants things like energy drinks or caffeine or you know any type of stimulant um we find that uh people that are probably under the age of like 45 to 50 um, because they're more used to stimulants um they tend to like extra strength a little bit more and they tend to find it works better for them in contrast to folks kind of on you know beyond i would say 45 um they didn't grow up with as many stimulants as we have and so uh, they tend to like regular strength a little bit better. With that said, we're actually doing some R&D into a super strong mojo um, that would not really, would not come out in a 20 count. Um, and uh, yeah, we're kind of doing some R&D into that space and seeing if that's something that we'd want to launch later the year. Yeah, this has been very cool. Um, well, thank, thank you, Stephanie. We just want to thank you for coming on, sharing all that information with us and like ca catching us up to speed on both the functional mushroom, psilocybin, sort of space is what it's it's a really exciting space to be especially with all the overlap between d2c and cpg um and you guys seem to have done like a really amazing job in terms of like being able to cultivate uh the content side as well as the product side um for our listeners who are tuning in and want to are interested in checking out and learning more where can they follow along with you guys um as well as learn more about guela and mojo for sure um again thank you for having me it's been great um in terms of following our story mojo.shop at the bottom on the right you'll find all of our socials tiktok instagram and so on um in terms of guela guelamushrooms.com again all socials at the bottom lots of blog content on there and if they want to connect with me steph.psych or steph underscore psych on literally any platform awesome thank you stephanie thank you Thanks for tuning in, and we hope you enjoyed this episode of DTC Pod. If you enjoyed the show, we'd love your support. A rating and a review would go a long way as we continue to host the best builders in DTC and beyond. Follow and subscribe to the show, and make sure to check out our show notes where you can find our socials and weekly newsletter. Visit us on dtcpod.com to join our founder community and access resources from every episode. We'll see you on the next pod.